Good evening everyone. The doomsday clock has ticked one more time and we're back with an impromptu DF Direct to talk about the latest acquisition of this uh, industry. Yes, Microsoft has bought Activism Blizzard King, I believe, but I'm not here alone to talk about this monumental news. I am joined, of course, by the newsman himself, Alex Battaglia. Hey there, Audi. This is incredible news. Uh, literally, it's just unbelievable. I almost fell out of my chair when I read it. Uh, I think uh, you have as well, too, right? I was sitting on the proper chair when this news came. <laughs> Speaking of which, the proper man to be here with us to discuss this is John Lemon. Yes, it is time. This is why we have a show like DF Direct now, so we can actually talk about this stuff as it happens. And this is big, big crazy news. This is like classic 90s Microsoft kind of kicking down the door, like buying up companies. They're back, baby. That's kind of the best way to describe it, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll talk a little bit about the 90s during this little talk because uh, there are some uh, similarities. But yes, let's get into the news. And just to note, the news is real, but this episode is not canon. Yes. So we are not actually appearing together in the video yet. <laughs> uh, so as mentioned, Microsoft announced kind of out of the blue that they have acquired Activision Blizzard. Uh, I don't think any of us saw this coming. I don't think the industry has seen this coming. Uh, and there's a lot of things to talk about here. I think, though, let's start with just kind of... We've seen so many acquisitions recently in the industry. It's not the first time this has happened uh, for video gaming or for entertainment in general. But, John, what's your kind of thoughts when you just see this kind of deal come to place? Uh, Disney? No, it's... um. So, I'm of two minds on this one. So... I'm not a big fan of all these acquisitions happening in the industry because it's just consolidation. It's a little bit too much. But in this case, this is actually one of those exceptions where I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, maybe something good can come of this because Activision itself has become sort of a cesspool uh, in recent years. And not only aside from their their awful uh, internal issues, um, they've also just like doubled down on on just the the most standard bs if if you pardon my french there uh where it's literally like okay all studios call of duty that kind of mentality where they have all this rich history of games available but they've chosen to double down on very specific ip pulling all their talent into that and i'm not a fan like you know i loved the recent tony hawk remaster and their reward for that amazing work was now you go work in the call of duty mines so uh, even though, like I said, I'm not a big fan of all these acquisitions from any side. Doesn't matter who who's the buyer. Um, in this case, you know, there is actually a chance that Microsoft could do some good here and potentially sort of salvage the studios or you know the company as a whole. Yeah, I'm gonna hear at John's point of view very similar to that, where I don't think the consolidation for the industry is necessarily a good thing um, because you know. If you do look at the Disney thing that's happened and just what generally happens with IPs and sometimes also with studios, uh, there can be uh, some very negative things that happen as a result of that historically. Uh, and, you know, and gen generally in terms of like price and the where things are available to be purchased and played, uh, that can have negative repercussions that we'll talk about later on. From the PC perspective, um, this 
kind of like John was saying, uh, for enriching maybe Activision's portfolio and getting rid of the cesspool of internal problems that that is over there at Activision Blizzard. Um, for PC, this could also actually kind of mean positive things because currently um, a lot of PC players are not at all happy happy with what Blizzard has been putting out over the last couple of years, uh, whether what they've done with WoW, Warcraft 3, Reforged, um, uh, you know, almost anything Blizzard. A lot of people are very unhappy with that. The fact that is uh, it is all on their own launcher. This could actually see a diversification of Blizzard's lineup to be, you know, releasing now on Steam. Uh, you could have Blizzard shakeups occurring where they actually return to their classic franchises like StarCraft. This could mean a whole lot of things because it's going to be in a general change in direction for the company. Um, and like John, uh, <laughs> I do really do not like playing Call of Duty games. Like, I'm really sorry for all those in the audience who do. And if this, if this for any reason meant that all these many studios that we'll talk about very soon are going to work on something that isn't Call of Duty, I'd actually be very for that. So I'm of two minds, kind of similar to you. Uh, uh, Activision isn't really a company that I'm like following deeply. Um, my first thoughts, of course, comes down to the fact that the leadership at Activision is toxic and needs to go. And I hope and think that Microsoft would be uh, smart to do so. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully a better uh, Blizzard uh, Activision can come from this. Uh, but in general, I'm not very positive of, towards acquisitions in entertainment in general. It's not just a recent thing with Disney and whatnot, but uh, monopolistic industries aren't good for competition. Uh, they usually come with kind of like a holdover space where things look okay, but then um, there is a change in atmosphere, there is a change in method, there is a change in just kind of overall direction that comes with it. And one studio to another w will not always fit with this change. And uh, this is not a new thing for the video games industry, and I think we're a little bit dormant as consumers when we look at this and just kind of say, well, my side is now getting these games. Uh, for a competition standpoint, it is almost never positive. Uh, but uh, during the 90s, as John so uh, casually brought back to during the introduction, uh, during the 90s here in Europe, there was a big consolidation of studios into infograms, and that was one of the largest of its era, and it, it immediately swallowed and killed European gaming development. And when it, it was very bad, and uh, kind of... And now we're seeing the reverse. I think for AAA development, this is a very worrying situation where everything is going into these families, as they call it, because that's what they call acquisitions now. It's they're becoming part of the families, <laughs> and Mafia. there just isn't enough space and there isn't enough time for all this talent, all this material, all these IPs to coexist within one brand, one family. So I don't think we should celebrate acquisitions as much as we do. Uh, though I do think people in general are becoming a little bit more aware of it thanks to Disney. Uh, and kind of seeing what's happening there because everything has to be streaming these days. Everything has to be kind of available there and only there. So that's my kind of opinion off the top of my head with acquisitions is that history will tell you that this never really leads to more it actually leads to less uh, because there just isn't enough space for 
this type of development to happen within one single entity. Uh, but that's my opinion there. Uh, for the PC and such as you mentioned, uh, I think we will see a change in terms of how Activision games are brought to consumers now. And that, that might be kind of the saving grace of this deal. <laughs> yeah. I, I And you know what, actually, this is this maybe the next thing we should really talk about is uh, the potential for some of these um, properties essentially becoming exclusive to PC and Xbox, right? Like, I assume that's kind of the driving force behind this. And in this case, Activision's weird because they have a, such a vast selection of available IP, but... Um, well, John, you should remember that Activision themselves acquired half the industry before them. Yeah. Microsoft. So, I mean, this is well, an acquisition of a company sort of. that acquires. Sort <laughs> I mean, they, so. most of the, so if you actually look at the list though, I mean, most of the companies they acquired were ones that had been essentially working for them, like almost exclusively uh, for a long time already. So it's, it kind of made sense. Um, it's just that now they've kind of limited their scope in terms of what they develop. So I think Call of Duty is the big one, right? Um, Call of Duty lost players like us, I think. But there's two there's two parts to it. One, the technology behind it. There there is value there, although it is again pretty much just limited to just Call of Duty. Um, but secondly, then there's the the fact that it still does actually sell pretty well. So it could have an interesting impact on the market in that sense. Where okay, now Call of Duty is no longer on PlayStation. What does that mean? I mean, what do you guys think? First, let's talk about just availability then, because, um, yeah, Call of Duty is the one, I think, the IP that's going to have the most eyes on it. There's tons of others we could talk well, about. Well, maybe maybe Blizzard stuff might be up there as well. But Yes, yeah. uh, but I mean, from an Activision standpoint, at least, uh, Call of Duty, and from a mainstream appeal, because we talked about this recording. So the luster has kind of gone from Call of Duty towards you know traditional gamers like us i suppose like we're not excited for it other than sometimes seeing a glimpse of new technology but like i was telling you is that like call of duty is like the fifa of competitive shooters it's just kind of like it's the impulse buy that the mainstream audiences pick up so it's not about so much about the hype machine or anything it's just the brand value and for what I think, again, this comes down to acquisitions in general, the large ones, is that there is always this kind of grace period where it's like, don't worry, it will still be available. Uh, the, the one star in development will still come out on the announced platforms and everyone should be happy with this uh, celebration. And then, uh, you know, we do yub nub all around. <laughs> but the thing about it is that, of course, investors and boards will want their returns on this eventually. And as such, that, that tap will close. There's no doubt about that. And that's where kind of when we talk about like AAA development and stuff, that's where it kind of gets a little bit iffy when suddenly this brand now is locked to one single console because uh, availability of the console itself is not always uh, uh, great in every country and things like this so uh yeah i'm 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 undecided whether or not i think this is good or not alex a couple of things probably here i i do agree with you that there would it in the eventuality of this deal 100 closing and not have any sort of uh uh, I don't know how to say, fair business practice problems of monopolization that are stopped by governments, uh, uh, then there would be a transitory period 
like much like we're going to see with Bethesda games, where they eventually only start coming out on Xbox and PC. As a PC player, I actually don't care that much, but in terms of the health of the industry, I think it's not the best of things uh, to occur. But at the same time, not all of these IPs are going to be created equal. Uh, so I think Call of Duty would be one that Microsoft would say, yeah, we really want this only to be on Xbox. That's the whole point of doing this. But other IPs here, um, for example, like Diablo or... I don't know, any of the Warcraft, Starcraft IP, things like Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, um, Tony Hawk, uh, Guitar Hero. I don't necessarily see the... Yeah, if that ever comes out, I don't know. But uh, like, I don't necessarily see these as things that always need to only be attached to the Xbox IP uh, necessarily uh, because Microsoft has acquired before in the past and realize that the IP is bigger than their own systems itself, like Minecraft, uh, where that still comes out and gets updated on other uh, platforms. So if they, this could be a diverse uh, level of exclusivity where some IPs are exclusive and others are not. I could actually see that rather realistically occurring. Yeah, I mean, anything that has kind of like a license value like Tony Hawk, I don't think that we will see outside of Xbox, though. I think it just has too much brand value and adds too much kind of grandeur to the Xbox name. That well, the question really is, though, them. do you think Microsoft brings that back again? Because they did the Tony Hawk remaster and then they promptly said, no, Call of Duty. And they oh, shut I it down, absolutely think know? that Microsoft will be interested in bringing back something like Tony Hawk. <laughs> I think they would, yeah, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> We have a saying at DF, as long as Snoop Dogg plays it, we'll do it. <laughs> so, and I think he still will play with Tony Hawk. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the interesting thing when we talk about IPs, though, is kind of Activision has been sitting on so many IPs. We talk about Call of Duty, but as Alex mentioned, there's many others, and some have gone dormant, like Tony Hawk. So I definitely see something like Crash, for example, which came back recently with 4, was it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was on all consoles, uh, obviously, and I could see that still kind of having some value on, say, a Nintendo Switch, because uh, like Super Lucky Tail was another one that debuted on Xbox, and then would eventually come out because just the that kind of IP suits itself well, and Microsoft is not. They're interesting because they're they're a company that aren't against seeing the value of doing cross-platform so that's why this acquisition is kind of interesting overall but i do think definitely the heavy hitters oh it's going to be locked and it's going to be locked soon yeah like there's no way they're going to bring like cabela's dangerous hunts or hunting expeditions back to playstation after this <laughs> that's you know, a good point john <laughs> i mean just, and just that's laying really down the, the facts. death of the, an industry isn't it <laughs> I mean, where can i catch my bass if not on my nintendo switch but so, so the big thing here though i guess is so thinking again about it from a, a technology perspective i'm trying to consider the studios that are actually pushing technology forward and i feel like call of duty is the one franchise where we actually see that like actual technical developments and most of the games activision does produce tend to utilize things such as unreal engine for instance uh, there's not a lot of cutting edge development going on which is this is very different from say bethesda right because bethesda those studios were using all different types of technology and most notably, they had access to id software, right? Uh, with the id tech engine, which is phenomenal. Uh, Call of Duty's technology is also very impressive, but I think it's like the only one 
So I and they only seem to use it in Call of Duty. So I, I don't necessarily think that this would represent any sort of great loss for the competition, so to speak. Um, it, it, you know, and even in like, if, what about, if you look at Blizzard as well, like Blizzard is not pushing technological boundaries and they have their own in-house tech as well. Yeah. Uh, I, th I guess from the tech perspective, like you've got Call of Duty has two engines running it, the IW 2019 engine, as well as whatever Treyarch does, uh, which is different. And that's something that people don't always realize because they look so similar. Um, but you've got those two different things. And, but the Call of Duty juggernaut, it does actually have some industry sway because the people pushing tech behind it, there are actually really important and they're developing a lot of new technology all the time and really a lot of best practices. Uh, it could meet, lead to another level of technology sharing within the Microsoft group itself, which would be good for those games coming out on Microsoft platforms. But other than that, I'm actually not seeing a large technological like wave of you know impact from this at all. Now that you mention it, Alex, this is actually one slight concern is that now they're essentially amassing all this expertise in all these different areas, right? But they've already had studios internally that specialize in Unreal Engine, like the Coalition, right? And then you have the id tech stuff. Now you have Call of Duty. Do you still think there's space for all of these? Or are they going to start to consolidate into something? Like, what does this mean for all those, like, engineers that are in these specific uh, bubbles doing their thing, and now they're all thrown into this single, singular company? If the most recent, recent acquisition of Bethesda is uh, any indication is so far, things have not changed there. All the uh, respective different groups are all using their own tech if they want to. There's no sort of uh, EA, everyone has to use Frostbite mandate going out there. So I do actually see a lot of the tech uh, staying in place. And I don't, because, you know, these, this is like, there's, they've gotten so good at, you know, all these different companies, especially on the Activision side, have gotten so good at producing titles so rapidly in their own way with their own structures, toxic structures though. So I guess that's something that's a problem uh, that I don't see. I don't actually see a huge tech impact for any of this other than the fact that it could lead to greater strives to push DirectX forward in better directions because we've already seen uh, issues with DirectX as this generation started. I'd also like to see them essentially give the Call of Duty development studios um, more time. Like I know they're on this three studios cycle, but it does kind of feel like Call of Duty's like it has to be annual at this point. And I do think that that's created problems for the franchise. And I think it is not beyond saving in that regard. And perhaps Microsoft, you know, given their much larger portfolio, can actually say, actually, we don't need a Call of Duty this year. Do do something special and then we release it. So that, that could actually have a benefit for that series. It's kind of hard to say because Microsoft has thus far been hands-off. But that doesn't mean, again, acquisitions are... They're usually um, cyclical like this, and it d does take a while before the major changes happen, uh, generally from a board directive or something like this. Um, but, you know, Microsoft does have the money to actually allow some freedom for these studios. So, for these studios. So, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to say on a tech perspective whether or not it affects them. I do think, of it, you know, it does narrow a little bit of the playing field overall. And we're, we're talking a lot about Call of Duty. We're talking a lot about Blizzard. But 
there's so many studios within Activision. I do wonder if they keep all them separate or if they clean up house and start consolidating them into like larger uh, groups. You know, yeah, Activision uh, South and Activision North and uh, that kind that's of that's a good point. Structure. I mean, they're all basically support studios now for Call of Duty, right? Like that's what's happened, and it could go two ways where they can consolidate, like you're saying, which would be bad, I think, actually, or. And I would love this. This is almost wishful thinking. They could essentially grant them their freedom. Like, I would love for something like Raven Software to be reborn as its own thing, making its own games again. I mean, that would be awesome. Not to say that, you know, the people working there are the same that they were in the past, but I'm sure they would love to get out from under the Call of Duty shadow and build something again. And that's that would be best case, I think, for me. I think there there is a slight little bit of precedent here for that maybe being a possibility uh, because with I mean this like you're saying though Audi like this is just the like the, the immediate period after acquisition with something like Bethesda we still have yet to see what happens in five years from now which is really important because acquisitions first look happy in the first three years first game comes out and then something you know obviously large changes occur um, but with the Bethesda acquisition we'd still see all these. We've already seen like things like Red, I think the name of the game is Redfall. We've seen and a number of other actual separate IPs that were very much so like what these studios wanted to essentially start creating. Uh, we have um, uh, Ninja Theory also now producing two games, right? Um, and they're very much so their pet projects, very much so Ninja Theory's kind of styles of game. Uh, that we see there. It's not like they're put on the next Gears of War title or something like that yet. Obviously, that is still early in the acquisition times for these companies. Who knows what will happen in the future? But those are all positive things to point that this could be a possibility for this Activision Blizzard takeover with a lot of these companies like uh, Toys for Bob, Raven, um, Demonware, any of, any of them, Beanox, uh, but that's more of a support studio anyway. But one thing also that I think pu pushes in that direction is uh, the, the Netflix model, uh, which Game Pass, we're gonna have to talk about Game Pass in a second here, where the Netflix model, if you've gone on Netflix, or I would say if you look at Amazon productions or something like that, or even Apple uh, productions, there are, they have, they have their really headlining, everyone watches this thing, you know, on Netflix. It's like that new movie with The Rock or whatever, but they also subsidize smaller art house indie projects that are not nearly as popular. So there with within with these subscription models, the amount of money and revenue that is brought in, it's enough to cover the big AAA, but also enough surplus on the side to s finance smaller, more passion style projects from smaller developments. That's how Netflix works usually. Yeah. Well, hopefully then it's not exactly like Netflix in the sense that they'll release complete games because Netflix does have a really nasty habit of canceling things. Uh, even stuff that people tend to like, they'll like run a season and say, ah, you know what, we're done and get out. And that sucks. That's, that's, that's a real unfortunate part of that business. So you mentioned though, Alex, that Game Pass is kind of a factor here too. And how many Games Passes do you think comes with this Activision uh, acquisition? Uh, well, I'm starting to think maybe Game Pass, if it gets more expensive as a result of this, uh, that would be interesting. Uh, but maybe Game Pass will actually start needing tiers because 
I mean, surely it can't keep the same price while also offering day and date games from all of these places. I mean, historically, this is what happens, though. It, probably not tiers, but I do think that uh, price uh, increases will come at a bi-yearly rate uh, with games. You know, we're still, it's a new console, it's a new, um, uh, it's a relatively new offer from the Microsoft side of things. So I do think that we're still in a kind of like uh, honeymoon period with Game Pass. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, with stuff like this, um, you definitely are going to see some increases, probably a little bit sooner than you think. But uh, yeah, I mean, it does definitely allow, though, for a lot of these IPs to come to Game Pass, which is a, you know, much like the Bethesda thing, it's kind of a game changer for Microsoft. You know my thoughts on, on these services. I, I'm not a big fan uh, personally, but that's just because, you know, I'm more into actually owning stuff as opposed to just, you know, but I know this stuff's popular, but in the at least in the case of Activision, they were, they were really bad in terms of this already, like in terms of ownership. They wouldn't ship complete physical games. Uh, they were locking games behind DRM, including Diablo 2. Uh, remastered, which is like a console game that has a 30-day check-in. So actually, Activision is like terrible for this stuff. So in that regard, anything is an improvement over that, to be honest. Well, so Microsoft is, a, I mean, the Xbox Series, I think, it, has a bit of a physical issue at the moment. Oh, it absolutely anyway. does, but uh, it, it doesn't. I don't change, know if it will improve, but uh, it doesn't I, I change. Say, anything. It is probably better, regardless <laughs> of what happens. It probably exactly. is better than what we had. For Activision stuff, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, as we, you know, I mentioned earlier that like Activision Call of Duty stuff, that's like the ultimate impulse title, right? And then when you have something like Game Pass, if you can, you know, put that exclusively on there eventually, I mean, that's the ultimate. Impulse. It is it's really just kind of, you know, you don't have to do anything anymore. You always yeah. get your Call of Duty no matter what. It's just, it's there. You just need to yeah. fill your fridge with Pepsi and play um, <laughs> Call of Duty. So I, I definitely see why Microsoft, you know, and another thing we haven't even touched on is why is Microsoft doing this now? Uh, we kind of touched on it <laughs> in the sense that uh, I think recent events with that uh, terrible company, terrible company, uh, led to the fact that their value dropped to a point and that and also the board of directors probably were open to that change oh i'm sure microsoft saw they they could smell the blood in the water yeah uh, okay now is the perfect time to strike they were it, probably right <laughs> so rock they did because i mean this must have happened uh fairly quickly uh based on the fact that i don't think anyone had any clue about this now yeah this was uh I mean, the reason why we're a little bit kind of at loss of words over this is just that we haven't even been able to kind of sit down, read about this, talk to people. It's kind of shocking. Yeah. Well, there, there, are uh, some, yeah. there are some historical precedent of what could happen here, because obviously we talked about it at the beginning of here, and you just mentioned it, really toxic company, a lot of issues, uh, like harassment claims, the way... Um, QA has been, uh, for example, supported and fired at a variety of these companies when titles ship or not given uh, wage uh, increases when, when promised. And there's also the current walkout that is occurring, the strike that is occurring, and the fact that uh, in spite of all these issues, the management is still in place. Uh, with the ZeniMax uh, takeover, I think the ZeniMax board was dissolved after the takeover. 
Uh, so it would not be so surprising to see something here as well, too, which would be a positive uh, uh, of all of this as well. I think this is something that's important to note for people who aren't uh, too experienced with the industry is that when you do any acquisition, big or large, is that there is a transition period that needs to take place. There is a handover that needs to happen. So it's not just on the dime that you acquire something that you dissolve what was there. There is a transition period in which that board has to actually transition uh, the materials and the you know the leadership that they hold on to to the new team. So uh, I haven't read what the reactions are regarding this as of this recording, um, but if changes haven't happened yet, uh, I think this has to do with transitions rather than just uh, you know Microsoft's intentions. Because as you say, Alex, I think that would be the number one thing they really need to look at before the game, Stephen. It's just kind of like you know hey, we've acquired basically the hottest potato in the industry, uh, you know you can't just hold on to it uh, with its current um, situation yeah that, that would be impossible they it would you know tank a lot of the goodwill that microsoft has uh for good reason there's reports coming out that suggest that bobby Kodak will only essentially remain in charge through the acquisition period and then uh it shifts over to phil <laughs> under his you know good old, good old philly so exactly <laughs> So we'll we'll see how that goes, um, and yeah, hopefully. I mean, the thing is though, is you know, Bobby Kodak, he's been in this so long, like he's fine, and uh, you know, the, he's oh, you mean oh, you mean like unfortunately, there will be yeah. no comeuppance for him. He's just gonna be able to walk away with a ton of money and and that big Bobby Kodak smile, and maybe fund Moneyball too. I don't know. Oh, Jesus um, Christ! But, uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, he will be on a yacht somewhere. Yeah. Now, but but honestly, looking at this, the weirdest thing about acquisitions from any of these companies doing it is that it's the way the the fans react, almost like their favorite companies are like football teams. You know, you ha it's like it's 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 a very strange culture we're in right now. Uh, to see that, and I I assume that's probably going to be happening here again i mean we're recording this you know 15 minutes after the news came out just to put you into proper context here of when we're talking about it but yeah i mean it's kind of like we talked about at the beginning again when you play these teams and say like well now my side my team is getting such and such you shouldn't just celebrate that willy-nilly because um competition is a real thing uh and things blossom from good competition from a monopoly the consumer is always the ones that suffer from it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do hope that people, I understand they won't. It's completely nonsense to be positive here and optimistic, but I would hope that people still have a little bit of hesitancy of just accepting like, oh, Call of Duty is on the console that I bought this time around. Therefore I win. It's like, there's really no such thing. I mean, if you're silly enough to take sides, then I guess you're silly enough to think that way. Um, just to kind of more wishes and desires, I would ask you, Audi, too, what do you wish to come of this uh, regarding the IPs, regarding the exclusivity, regarding anything? It folded my in the Venture HD. Okay. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want it in HD because I don't think... Oh, they'd make it up. With yeah. the original animation assets? If they had crazy the... Crazy uh, That'd be a really good looking, I, maybe, actually. I don't think they have that. Okay. Because they were all converted to... Sure someone has it in a garage somewhere. It was all converted to pixel art from, like, pencil sketches and such. So it's not, you know... 
I don't think there's like original frames of animation and high resolution around for that. You don't stuff. think the animation cells are still out? There? <laughs> not based. I mean, not not based on talking with. Uh, um, That's right. You remember I did that interview, so you did that interview, which uh, right there you have a link to it. <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, but yeah, great interview actually uh, about he, the creation of Pitfall Mine. He did have some good stories about Bobby Kodak in there. Like how, like when they were first at like a CES showing off the game and there was a booth across the way that was too loud and Bobby comes over with like his investor squad, like, like a mob boss. And they basically ask, is there a problem here? And it's like, oh, it's too loud over there. And like Bobby kind of like snaps his fingers and sends somebody over there. And then the volume went down the rest of the show. And it just, you just kind of got this impression that he operated in this very uh, interesting way. (laughs) <laughs> no it was bobby and actually the guy that funded helped bobby fund activision in the first place which was like some casino tycoon i don't know the story there's radical stuff in there but um i agree though i love pitfall the mine adventure i love i mean 90s activision was actually amazing you know the mech warrior 2 uh interstate 76 you know all the stuff they were doing on the pc uh was was really really cool um they were actually doing awesome business back then and i felt like that was kind of the golden years and then you know tony hawk was big for a while but i it does feel to me that once call of duty hit along with guitar hero it was like the beginning of the end for like creativity within activision uh and things just kind of became cyclical and immediately went downhill in that regard but it is interesting to look at the the actual image that xbox put out they they feature six games overwatch diablo call of duty world of warcraft candy crush and starcraft and i feel like an image starcraft is interesting though that's an interesting image because it says a lot about what they're thinking about as far as what has value within activision blizzard and and it's heavily blizzard Yeah, and that's kind of we haven't talked much about Blizzard because they're kind of like a wild card in this acquisition for me because they're I already felt like they were operating so differently from the main Activision in terms of uh, releases as it was, so I don't really know how much of a change there will be at Blizzard in terms of their output. I think that will continue very much as normal just because of the nature of their games and where they you know fit along the industry. But I would love still, you know, Blizzard also back in the 90s were an amazing company with a pretty diverse output like Blackthorn and Lost Vikings and these other things than just Warcraft. And even Warcraft itself, I would love to see that brought back to a, a brand that can hold some different types of adventures i mean there was even warcraft adventures that never came yeah out that's a magic important on it, yeah, yeah. Magic. from Cella cdi fame uh but i would love to kind of see that sort of structure come back where these companies like you mentioned earlier alex that like these pet projects could come back i don't think that's realistic but when you're asking me just kind of what i hope that i want the smaller games to come back the double a's you know i want that to kind of come back and uh, because we have the indies and the indies is an incredible place of creativity Uh, but sometimes it's also kind of fun to see a bigger company take risks with the actual budgets that they have and create something kind of like when konami brings out uh, brought out games back in the day um 
they always kind of had like these double A titles that were quite interesting on PS2 and whatnot. I feel like those days are just never truly coming back. It's more like indies are getting bigger and rising to the to fill that space. But like one of the issues I have in general with modern games is we're getting to the point where a lot of them feel homogenized somewhat. Where and I understand this to a degree. Like th- there's like best practices like. This is the way an analog stick should feel. This is the way these types of movement situations should feel. This is the way you should do maps, you know. This is the way you should guide players. It feels like all these big AAA games have all kind of adopted a lot of the same rules. And as a result, you just end up with games that all feel like they're drawing from the same pool in a way that was not the case in the past. And it's kind of killing a lot of, um, I don't know, there's something that's, that's really missing lately. Uh, and this, this is a, this is an industry wide problem now. Like, so it's, and it applies equally to these, but I feel like Activision was really driving this kind of stuff for a while, but, mm-hmm. and Ubisoft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think what you're missing is kind of a voice, a personality to what's being put out because it, it feels very manufactured rather than coming from. Like, just for all its flaws, you know, games like cyberpunk and of course the witcher 3 which was much better well received that's one of the reasons i always like cd project red is that even though they were doing kind of mainstream stuff it still felt like it was coming from a different place you know what i mean and they didn't just adhere to those best practices necessarily sometimes it didn't work out sometimes it did but the games felt unique in a way that we don't often see these days so i don't know and i think that's why people were so excited for cyberpunk as well you know from all the e3s that we went to and stuff like you know, people were excited for it because it seemed to actually say something different. And I think that's, again, what you're missing is just kind of like a clear voice in these massively manufactured uh, beasts of games that we're getting. But I will say I, I Microsoft has done a fairly good job of... It feels like they haven't pushed too far in that direction and we're still getting stuff that feels a little bit unique, perhaps. Um, like, you know, what they're allowing, uh, Ninja Theory to do still, for instance, is interesting. Those games do feel different. They're sort of elevating them. You know, Psychonauts 2 came out. Of course, that was not completely under the Microsoft umbrella during development, but, um, it did feel unique. And I am happy that they're essentially allowing these games to, to sort of thrive within their ecosystem when I feel like bigger companies, well, standalone publishers have been less and less likely to do this. So, it could it could actually work out in that regard and maybe we'll see the return of some more interesting activision ideas maybe i hope not to glorify people in the industry because they're they're all businessmen it all comes down to business but i do think that uncle phil uh, has kind of like a good view of what games are and what gamers want and when i say gamers i just mean general like video game players not like the type of person but like, you know, I think he has a pretty keen eye and a healthy outlook on what games can provide to, you know, to people in general and culture. So I kind of, I enjoy his output. And he's been working out for a long time. I mean, his messaging hasn't really changed since at least, well, the first times I've ever spoken to him many years back. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good... Uh, it's a good thing he's building there, and I think that helps Microsoft steer the ship for now into a better place. It just remains to be seen if that holds, or if, you know, there will, of course, come a day where 
the Bethesda deal, the Activision deal, has to make its money back and with interest, so to speak. And that's where it gets icky. I think I think what I one thing I, I, I wonder with like some of the all these side studios and stuff is I think they'll continue to build this internal team around this, but you'll have a subset of people that move on and maybe start their own studios. I think Embark is a good example of this over at EA because you had all these Frostbite guys, these guys at Dice doing this stuff for years, and they all kind of just got up, left, formed their own studio. Now they're doing their own thing, right? And I feel like if something's not working for one of these studios or certain creators, that type of thing might happen from it. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is so much up in the air. Uh, this was just kind of our initial thoughts. And uh, I think that's a good place to cap it off. Because, I mean, until this comes into fruition, until it, things happen, we don't really know, right? But uh, we're... We're cautiously optimistic on some things, I'd say, mm -hmm. and uh, quite pessimistic overall to consolidation throughout entertainment. This is not just a video game thing, no, but right now, exactly. with all the streaming services and stuff, we're seeing uh, all this acquisition. And that comes with a huge loss of talent, knowledge, and whatnot, because there just isn't enough space. And um, consumers, beware. <laughs> Don't just celebrate this. Uh, have no. have some opinions. That's kind of where we lay at the moment. Agreed. I think mm -hmm. so. As you're seeing this now, of course, you can like and subscribe. And I think you will be seeing all three of us on Monday with our DF Direct. If you're on oh, the yeah. Patreon, though, you will see us in the weekend because the weekend starts on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. As Usually. We put it out early. <laughs> Usually. Uh, well, always, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think we ever missed a Saturday. Audie's wow. good at that. So. Yes, I work weekends. Uh, but, of course, you can join us on Patreon. You can like and subscribe on YouTube. All that good stuff. You can follow us on Twitter and mu see our musings on the industry and how much John has been struggling with his computer lately. <laughs> it's all riveting stuff and very exciting. Plus complaining about DRM and Diablo 2 on consoles. So this is, uh, you know, that was just yeah. yesterday. More and... on that <laughs> this week on DF Direct. But until then, gentlemen, I bid you adieu.